Yo, friends, welcome. I was trying something else. I'm, I don't. I guess I, I, I do don't it. do well with change. Can you? Yeah. <laughs> hey, hi, hello. Welcome to the free game. Hey, hey, hello. It's your friends that join the party, and we're going to talk about who we're going to play in the next campaign and what class those people are going to be. Hello. That's what I got. I'm just excited about my character. I am so ready for this. This is amazing. And we're going to do it. And the party's going to happen. And it said, oh, this is my favorite part. I spend so much time looking at characters that can be played. And like, if you guys don't do it, I just turn them into NPCs. So like, honestly, <laughs> it's fine. Great. I think there is someone who I don't think any of you touched. And I'm going to put it in the, I, I tried to push it on you all so hard. And this is my tease for the future. That like, I don't think any of you are going to do it, but I'm definitely going to make them an NPC if you don't. Oh, now I want to know what which character it was. I'll tell you. If, tell if one of you say it during this session, okay. I will tell you. But if you don't, I will bring it up later. Okay. So today we're going to talk about what the characters are going to be. We're going to talk a lot of D&D mechanics, a lot of classes and subclasses. I'm going to talk about party composition and what might make the best Dungeon Dragons podcast party. And then at the end, we are going to reaffirm everything about the future of the podcast and what the podcast is going to look like. Um, let's talk about party composition. We kind of just went into the first season being like, hey, what do you want to play? I guess we should all figure out a way to do this. And like, none of you had any healing spells. That, oh my God. As a, as a listener and as your friend, I was so nervous <laughs> the entire campaign because none of you could heal. It all kind of like resolved itself because eventually Johnny could heal in some sort of way or at least resurrect. And then Tracy and Inara eventually got like half damage things. Both of you got half damage I things. I saw a healing spell eventually. It just didn't When you became an artificer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, I'm like, ah, they're fine. But I remember in those first episodes, we got tweets from me like, you guys are going to die. And I'm like, I'm not going <laughs> to let them die. It's okay. I was very worried. We just kill the god of death. It's fine. <laughs> so Spoilers. This is March. This is March, Brandon. No, for me. <laughs> you, killed the, you killed the god of death. That was you. You were there. Okay. So... What is the traditional wisdom about how you put together a balanced D&D party? I've heard people say things like tank or like punchy person, like healer. What is the prevailing wisdom? Punchy person is definitely the... Uh, uh, pronounced. Yeah. <laughs> Preferred term. Yes. Yeah. I also read this morning about a face. Is that something that you've ever heard of too, Eric? Yes. Interesting. So, In scams, Brandon, my favorite subjects. <laughs> well, the face is a good guy in uh, wrestling. Exactly. So I'm going to talk about what the ideal five-person party is. The first is the tank. And the tank means you take a lot of damage. This is the barbarian that literally has a feature that says, I can take half damage. This might be the monk who has super high AC. They're going to be the ones in front of all the enemies, and the enemies are going to focus on them. And will get resurrected and healed as necessary. The person who is next to the tank is the close damage person. So this could be a fighter. Punchy friend. The punchy friend. Mm. This is usually the fighter. It could also be a monk. A monk is very diverse. You should all be monks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love monks so much. They're the ones who are doing sword or axe or punch damage. Um, and it's important to have someone who's engaging with people right up front. Then you have the AOE or area of effect or what's the other term when you're doing... DPS. DPS, thank you. If you're playing an MMORPG, it's called DPS, damage per second. This is going to be the your spellcaster or your ranged person. So maybe it's a wizard or a sorcerer or like a really, really specific type of ranger that does damage from afar but takes damage easily. And then you have your support, which is going to be your healer. So your cleric, your druid, someone who's going to heal your party or buff them so that they will not get hurt as much. And then you have the wild card. So the wild card is usually the bard uh, who does 
other things that might not be who might be like a jack of all trades sort of thing or does non-combat important things so when you're talking about a face a face is the person with the highest charisma mm. who rolls the persuasion checks and the intimidation checks and all that stuff it's usually the bard who is too busy like fucking everything to remember how to do spells gross yeah I hate bards bards suck hate bards love monks that's my DMing thing <laughs> Um, so that's an ideal five person party four person party. You can kind of drop the face or the wild card. Maybe that gets rolled into somebody else. You have a very charismatic fighter. So maybe you might have like more of a knight character or maybe your cleric has a lot of uh, persuasion or maybe you do have a rogue who's kind of does damage and maybe you have that wild card and also they are responsible for all of the public interactions that you have. So for a three-person party, I think that the tank or the punchy person are usually the same. You have one person who's up front if you're fighting. You need a support person, which is our problem with the first season of Join the Party. You kind of need a cleric or a druid who can, like, buff other people. And then you might have a wild card. I wanted all of you to think about uh, what sort of class archetype you are, and then maybe we can really make sure we distribute so we have a punchy person or a tank and we have a damage dealer, and we have a support. I think everyone should do one at a time. Like, each person does one, and we'll go around in a circle. Because really, this is like our ideation session. Mm -hmm. We're all bringing three classes and subclasses, which relate to a character they could be, and uh, how this might fit together as a party. But this is like our pool that everyone can pick from. It's like everyone who brought it has first dibs, but this should be a chance for everyone to start thinking about what's cool game-wise. So, I think we should roll for it. This is our first roll of season two. <laughs> okay, let's see if my luck carries on. Oh, oh. oh no. First Are roll on the floor. Me? Did you I get got, that 20? I got that 20, but on the floor. That counts. That counts. Okay, so Julia. <laughs> What'd you get? I, I got, got a five. three. So. <laughs> so that means I get to choose what position um, I go in, that's right? That's true. I'm going to go last. All right. Well, choose the order. Uh, let's go Julia, Brandon, me. All right. So. This is my tank and also my damage dealer, I suppose. Um, Your punchy friend. My punchy friend. So I went with a barbarian, uh, specifically the Path of the Battle Rager, mm -hmm. which is, I believe, Sword Coast. Yes, it's from Skag. Yeah. For every, all of you playing at home. So my idea for the character, especially now that we've kind of established our city and our universe, is tiny baby punk rock <gasps> with leather jacket covered in spikes because it typically in D&D &D, the path of the battle rager always has spiked armor on yeah. and they're the kind of character that just they go into a rage and then they throw themselves into the middle of the fight and cool. no one wants to deal with the the spiky small person getting in the middle of everything great and i really like the idea of because we were talking about how our characters were affected because they were at this lake as like a timeshare or like a vacation house or something like that. I really want them to be like the child of a mob enforcer. Yes. <laughs> where yeah. the, the dad was down in the city dealing with other stuff. And so the mom and the kid went up for the vacation. So the mom and the Very kid were affected, good. but not the dad. And wow. so the parents later on separate because the mother decides to go up and, you know, live in the, the new city with yeah. all the other power Right, people. because she has to stay up there. Yeah. If there is that quarantine, she has to stay there, but he can't leave. Yes. And so they decide to stay with the mom and become townies in our city. Here's a really interesting thing about this is that mm -hmm. traditionally the battle and in D&D &D lore, traditionally they need to be dwarves only. Which is why I want her. 
so them she's, to be tiny. And like but like very Italian too. Yes, so very there's, Italian <laughs> tiny person. I love that. Just some cool features of this. So the battle raider armor does damage to people mm-hmm. while you are making weapon attacks mm-hmm. and you can use your armor as a weapon. So that's really cool. And then you have something at level six, which is Reckless Abandon. So when you use your Reckless Attack, which is what barbarians do, you get temporary hit points equal to your constitution modifier. You're going to be like a super stocky little friend, and then you're also going to have extra hit points on top of that. Yeah, I picture them with brass knuckles going into fights. Woo! And also... um, If we're going to give our characters superpowers, if I'm comparing it to another superhero, Mm -hmm. I'm picturing Cannonball from the X-Men, where they just start kind of like vibrating and then everything just like zooms forward and then they're in the middle of the fight doing their thing. That is extremely good. Thank you. I like that a lot. Hey, Julia, I don't know if you listened to Join the Party before, but we did have a barbarian. Yeah. But I think this is very different than Tracy in so many ways. In my head, like, Tracy was more of an artificer Mm -hmm. because he had nerfed himself uh, with his switch. Mm -hmm. So it's like a reluctant barbarian is so different than, like, a willing barbarian. Totally different things. Also, like, using rage as a positive thing. Yeah. It's like, that's like some punk-ass aesthetic, and I love that. Tiny baby anarchist. That's amazing. Um, We're also going to come back to race Mm -hmm. and how that is going to apply, but I'm going to talk about that after class. So after class, I have I have big thoughts. So we'll come back to that in the after class party. (laughs) (laughs) Office hours with DM Eric. I sit backwards on a chair. All right, Brando, what do you got? So I sort of thought about what like sort of superhero archetype. I wanted to embody and then look what class would might go along with that. Um, so a little bit in the reverse direction. But the first one I want to talk about, it, I think, is either like a DPS or a bit of a wild card. But um, the sort of idea of having someone who has like either multiple past lives or there's multiple people in one person. So something sort of like Legion on the one side or on the other side, um, something more traditional like shapeshifter, whether it be like with animals or spirits or whatever it be. So some of the ones I was looking at was the Circle of the Shepherd, um, mm-hmm. which is yeah. a druid. And then another one I was looking at is a monk. It's a homebrewed monk. It's called Way of the Shifting Form. It's sort of along the same lines. Oh, that is interesting because that's the one, and I'm not taking from D&D Wiki from all of you nerds out there. This is like vetted stuff from our Unearthed Arcana, which is this, this subreddit that has a lot of this stuff. And I like that monk because it reminds me of you change into animals and like that's your fighting, mm-hmm. which is very different in my head than wild shaping. Beast Boy. It's like Beast Boy, thank you. Or um, in the game Sentinels of the Multiverse, there's like another yeah. person. And it, it's always like very African inspired, which is kind of bullshit. But like, I think it is interesting that your power is fighting as animals. Yeah. Instead of changing into animals to because of your connection to nature. Yeah. That's cool. And then on the other side of that. So I love that idea of the animal changing on the other side. It's more like there's a rogue archetype sort of that's about this as well. But like suddenly I realized that I've had past lives and mm. all of those past lives, people from my past lives might have some abilities or powers. I read about that. I think it's really cool. Mm. Yeah. So that could be like in the death space or it could also be just like an allegiance space where it's multiple personalities within one person or whatever it is. But um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I think that could be really interesting in terms of like a geographically centered death-related power. People don't have to necessarily have died in the inciting incident, but right. it could be something tied to like 
picking up stuff that otherwise wouldn't be discernible about people who have died in that area. Yeah, that's interesting. We might like think about a grave domain, cleric, mm-hmm. or something else. There's like a twilight domain as well, like the edge between living and dead. That is also interesting. So maybe there's an opportunity. We don't even know what class Brandon might end up going with. <laughs> Just throwing a bunch at the wall. Yeah. I think within the character space, I think a lot of my ideas have a similar vein of like the character I think I want to portray as a person is sort of like they accept and like their powers, but it's not what they expected necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like on one side, it could be like, well, I can turn into a fox, but like, what good is that? <laughs> right. Or the other side, it's like, I have people in my head occasionally that's like, tell me how to do a math problem. <laughs> uh, and there's more that I can talk about, but like, they're they're great and they like it and they're trying to hone it and figure out what to do with it, but they don't know exactly why or what they can do with it. Yeah. That reminds me of a meme that's been going around from the original X-Men movie that Rogue is like, well, maybe they can finally cure our powers. And then Storm steps up and is like, there's nothing wrong with us. And then below that, it's like, yeah, the woman who could make lightning talks to the woman who can't touch people. (laughs) (laughs) So I like that. that Like, even if it is a power and can be harnessed, it it sucks for your day-to-day life. Mm. Yeah. I I don't want it to make it like, I don't want it to suck for my day-to-day life. I just want it to be like, well, I have this thing. I don't know. You have one really strong left arm. You're like, well, this is kind of cool, but like, what do I do with it? <laughs> right. Yeah. Turning into a fox is not going to help you get a job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But from yeah, a character sure. journey perspective, I think that like sets you up for a lot of kind of room to grow and play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. I'm going to have to take a look at that homebrew again, but I really liked it. I remember sending that to you. I'll slack it to you. Slack it to me. Slack it to me. All right, Amanda, what do you got? So I approach this from similarly a, a like a character personality perspective, and I really just want to play the opposite of Inara, not because I don't love her, but because I want to challenge myself and do something different in this campaign. So for me, that means like very inextricably tied emotionally, but also geographically to the location. So I wanted to have someone who like knows a trade, who like knows the city very well. Um, I don't know if we're going to end up adventuring outside of the city, but that's where I wanted to start. Um, and also we have been developing and just like thinking on these ideas as we've been finishing the office. And I realized that like I'm inextricable from my like Irish bricklaying roots. Uh, so I really want to play like the super of a building um, and someone who just like knows that particular building, the tools, like a kind of multi skill person whose like weapons and skills are like handymanisms and repairs. So in terms of trying to find a class to suit that, I think there is a version where you can deal damage with this stuff, but also more of a kind of healing and support role, both for the party and also for like, you know, the problems that we run into like around us. So one that I think could be really interesting is, which one do I want to start with? Oh, I have so many. Just in terms of how what we talked about in the previous episode, like you can be the custodian or the groundskeeper of the historic district. Like it yes. can't be that much. Like how many buildings is it? If we're talking about the super of a New York City apartment. That's like, tw- let's say 20 apartments. I can't imagine there's more than like 20 or 30 houses in the historic district. Yeah. So I think there's a version where it's like, you know, groundskeeper for the area. I think there's also a version where it's more kind of like diplomatic, like maybe it's a community association president mm-hmm. or something or leader. Totally be both, um, by the way. Like, yeah. the, both of those don't not feel like full-time jobs. No, th- it definitely could be. And then I think there's also something where it's more like a self-appointed kind of like historian or chronicler or like carrying forward of like this community, this incident, the people who have died, like just feeling as if you have to kind of be responsible for them and carry their will forward. I will say I like that it's real because if we everything we talked about that this is a government act, 
from the state or the country, like making this a historical district, there will be a job there. So you yes. can be a public servant. Yeah. So let's start with that then. I think, uh, Mr. Monk, that it could be interesting to have <laughs> a a uh, tranquility monk. Ah. So this is a monk that uh, kind of, it's from UA, prizes nonviolence as like the primary decision making and like conflict solving method and like violence is the absolute last resort so you use diplomacy mercy and understanding to resolve conflicts but you're also if necessary you can put violence to use in order to solve injustice interesting this is also support because there's healing hands so it's like you have the paladin stuff where you can lay on hands but you use it with key I can really like the fact that you can just do like pacifism like you yeah. need to just make people stop fighting. Like at the sixth level, you have um, emissary of peace, which you make a charisma check to calm violent emotions or to counsel peace. <gasps> That's which very I think good. would be a very interesting uh, foil to Julia's character. This That's is, the one I got. Oh my! And then you can cast sanctuary at will. Yes. Which wow. is which is just like so you're a support monk, which is very interesting in terms of support because like if someone runs up on you, you can literally just punch them in the face. Right. What if good politician? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like city councilman right. or city council person. Yeah. yeah. I like that this is paladin monk. That's a really cool combo. Yeah. I didn't really want to lean all the way into like channeling divinity, mm-hmm. but I do think that a character that has a really strong grasp, again, anti-Anara, right and wrong, <laughs> of not just like, let me be, you know, neutral in terms of the law, like someone who feels strong that they have to uphold something, whether that's like the physical safety of a community or the kind of like safeguarding of like tradition or of morals. This is so interesting because like monks also, for those of you who haven't really played, that you can use key points to do like superhuman feats. So like, I'm imagine. You're channeling civics to like do something. But it's like you jump 20 feet in the air and then you make someone else stop fighting. Like that's (laughs) insane. I mean, if I saw that, I would stop fighting too. Right. But like, I think that that is like truly the super humanity that we're talking about. That's wild. From a personal perspective, like I thought I was going to go into politics for a long time. Like I'm, you know, oldest of four kids and then a kind of peacekeeper role, legislating multitude in life. And I think it would be interesting to kind of explore that in a uh, slightly less high stakes way in (laughs) D&D. This is like what Jessica Jones is if she like wasn't a misanthrope, right? Yeah. Like yeah. she's just like super powered, like she's super strong and very athletic. But then on the other hand, she's also a PI. And like you, on the other hand, you just like you are a legislator. And I think Luke Cage in a way, too, where there is like a being available for your community perspective and then like superhuman abilities to back that up or uh, lose character from um, Unsleeping City, mm-hmm. where you are like a representative in Dimension 20 of the will and needs of a community. And you kind of like channel that responsibility to do things that others can't do. Kingston Brown is a cleric of the city domain, so he literally gets his powers from the city. So that's my idea. Cool. Let's do it again. I'm so hyped. <laughs> I guess kind of going off of yours, Amanda, I'll talk about yeah. what my support character uh, kind of looks like. Great. And I was very concerned as you started talking about your character because very much the way that I built around my support character is very similar in that they are very involved into the community and all that kind of thing. Like I, I picture them being the kind of person who, one, they work in IT and Yay. so they help all the little old ladies in their building kind of figure out like, okay, oh, you, your grandson set up your, your Wi-Fi 
password and you don't know what the password is anymore, Aww. I'll figure it out for Cute. you. Cute. Oh, it's 69. password. <laughs> it's 42069? Oh, of course it is. How do I remember yes, those numbers? <laughs> don't worry about it. You know what, Mrs. Ramirez? Not a problem. Don't worry about it. I changed it to your grandson loves you. <laughs> yeah, I think in order to kind of fit that, I was looking at the city domain since we mentioned it a little. I like it, but I, I'm not in love with it. And one of the ones that Eric suggested was the Forge domain, which is typically like blacksmith characters if we're talking about fantasy D&D. Oh, but I but think, not in City of the Future. No, in the City of the Future, I'm thinking IT tech, like out there, like creating gadgets and like... <laughs> I love that. It's so funny. Shields and stuff like that for people. Cool. Because, you know, things get messy when people have superpowers and they're there to kind of help people along. I also really liked the idea of them being either like first or second generation American, again, going to Italian because that's my background, but like, you know, talking to all the little old ladies and making sure everyone's uh, doing okay yeah. and getting traded lasagna for <laughs> IT tech information and stuff like that. That's a good deal. Yeah. It's a good deal. Password for lasagna. lasagna. I love that because that's just like technomancy. Yeah. Because Brandon, that's the superpower. My yeah. password is lasagna. You can't just say that. Oh, no. <laughs> I ate your password, Amanda. <laughs> 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 Your password is a literal piece of lasagna. <laughs> but, uh, you, you don't use a wet noodle stupid. for touch ID? Is oh that not? <laughs> no? But yeah, kind of uh, talking a little bit more about the, the inspiration for the character, I was thinking very much uh, Forge from X-Men, uh, who mm. in the comics is, uh, and like it's a little problematic the way they wrote it, is like a, a Cherokee shaman who gives up his shaman practices and goes and like is drafted into the Vietnam War, I think, or some sort of war. I don't remember which God, one God, what is. a revisionist history narrative. Uh, and then <laughs> discovers that his mutant power is basically he's able to create any technology he can think of. Like kind of combining those two things while using the the Forge domain, I think would be yeah. an interesting uh, cool. interesting play on it. This is interesting. The channel divinity for the Forge domain is artisan's blessing. So mm -hmm. you literally can just make simple items. Yeah. And we can talk about what a simple piece of technology is. Right. The other thing is soul of the forge, you get because of your mastery of the forge, you get resistance to fire damage, yeah. and then you get an extra bonus to AC. We can also change that. Like we can make techno damage if we make that to into a thing. Yeah. So that would be very cool. I think that would be fun. Hell yeah. So I will also talk about my support-ish character, I think. So again, sort of my overall archetype here, I'm going to call like sort of like the charmer. And I like this idea of sort of playing off the purple man, but like not bad. What's the purple man? <laughs> uh, so in Marvel and Jessica Jones. Um, David Tennant's character. David Tennant's character. Oh, yeah. yeah. He sort of like is able to s convince people to do what he wants. I was thinking, though, more of like, because I, I do think I want to play like a lawful good character and they're trying to do good in the community, especially in the community they, they inhabit or they grow up in or whatever it is. Maybe this person, it could be a politician, but I like your politician better, Amanda. So I think what could they could be is they could be a literal therapist. They could be a psychic. But the framing of that, both of them, they they are trying to do genuine good for people. So the class I was looking at is like um, there's a school of enchantment as a wizard. There's the fear whisperer as a bard. So, like, the therapist could hear their fears. Yeah. Uh, Onomancy, which is another wizard. Um, they're kind of like a secret finder. Um, so they, they know your, quote, true name. So you can sort of, like, be someone that they open up to. But that's sort of, yeah, this person that people feel don't know exactly why, but they feel like they can open up to. And then, in general, this person tries to help them by, like, saying, charming them to be like, oh, you should stop smoking. But obviously we know that is sort of morally gray. 
I think you could also kind of play with the idea of you can't convince anyone of anything they don't actually want to do, like in their hearts. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's good. Just some people get in their own head and uh, can't convince themselves to do the thing that's best for them. Yeah, well, I also think that like the character's alignment and personality would be like, even if that's not true, they could be like, yeah, I don't do anything that people don't want. Right. They sure. tell me they want. It's just like habits are hard to break. So I help them with their habit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the other time that I've seen this because like Purple Man is a bad person and the embodiment of toxic masculinity. I think the other one was in the Umbrella Academy. There was the woman who could like suggest things to people and then they would do it for her. Oh, Whisper, I think yeah. that's the code name. And then it made her into a movie star. So like I can see all the times is when people abuse it. So yeah, I think it's doing it in a different way. Good. It yeah. would be really interesting. I can yeah. see like a role where this is like elder care as well. Um, oh, that's and, great. Yeah, and, like, like that. being a, a kind of like, you know, just confidant in person that someone listens yeah, to. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that too. Definitely like the fear whisperer bard. I don't know if I want to play a bard, but the fear whisperer <laughs> works really nicely with that. I'll allow it, maybe. I'll think about it. So my, um, I think this would actually be my either tank or punchy person. So the only thing that I don't know how to do home repair wise is is plumbing. I just have no idea. So I think I, should, I would want to play a plumber. That'd be pretty fun because I think that the idea of a swarm keeper ranger is really fascinating. So a swarm keeper, you know, you can summon like rats or bees or someone to basically like it's like a mage hand, but instead it's like a swarm of animals that like can come to your aid. But in this case, I think mine would be water. Um, and so it's, again, sort of like hacking a ranger to be a little bit more like a druid. And there's a world, I think, where this is an actual druid. But especially if it's a city where we're like connected to like canals and riverways, if the kind of inciting incident has something to do with water, I can see a world where my power is being like very connected to that. And so if we're like exploring the city, there are like bricked over rivers everywhere. Maybe there's some kind of connection to that. Maybe it's like, you know, you can summon water and that's kind of your main way of like damaging others. Mm. And I think it could be neat if my cover story is like being a plumber or like an infrastructural (laughs) engineer and... And that's just like the thing that I have domain over. Oops, the pipe broke. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Just so everyone knows, the Swarm Keeper is also in uh, Unearthed Arcana. And the Ranger, we can just talk about this right now. Traditionally, the Ranger does not make sense for D&D campaigns, especially on a microphone. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ranger was created for like an older style of D&D where it's like you have different terrain and you need a hunt for your food and like you need to navigate all that stuff. But in a different part of UA, they have had like updated versions of the Ranger yeah. and an updated version of the Ranger has been released in one of the other books. I can't remember which one. Mm-hmm. So like... Having a viable ranger would be very interesting. I mean, it's very physical. Like, I I get how it's a ranger. Um, And I think a a druid version of this could be, like, the circle of land, which is all about keeping balance. Um, And so it would be, like, this is how, like, protecting the environment, like, this is how it's supposed to be. And if new building projects are threatening that balance somehow, it's all about kind of, like, keeping what is. But I also don't want to commit totally to, like, a character that is only defending stasis. Mm. Um, I think we could kind of chart a, a middle course. I am 100% on board with water being your swarm. The only thing we'll have to talk about is like if you want it to fly. <laughs> but like we can uh, we can water definitely wings. do this. The level three feature is called gathered swarm. And you just get a yeah. swarm of your spirits. They're just like tiny. So they're like bugs or they're little rats. So or, like, just, or just a little globule of water. Bye, friend. And it's just like just a river. Yeah, yeah, I love that. You could be a surfing Pikachu. That's true. I am from the sandy, crumbling shores of Long Island. <laughs> and it, it's in me. 
Uh, this is unrelated, but I was reading that one because it was really cool, and I did think that it would be really fun to play a vampire in some campaign where you just have a swarm of bats around you. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> apparently we're all way too similar because that was one of my ones that didn't make it, except <laughs> I was going to use it as, like, you know how it, with a traditional ranger, you know, you're calling, like, I don't know, cool animals. Like, but you live in a city, so all you got are, like, bees. rats and cockroaches. Yeah, yeah gross. Yeah. That's what they did with the Circle of Shepherd mm-hmm. in uh, Dimension 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Brian Murphy, he was a Circle of shepherds and he conjured like cockroaches and rats and disgusting shit and he was also a rat man so it was beautiful he lived in the sewer i will say i wrote that down and then i watched unsleeping city and i was like mm, nope brad <laughs> murphy stole my idea i also <laughs> did think about a swarm of bees and a Obviously. i could talk about bees a lot which mm-hmm. i really enjoy <laughs> b, uh it's all about b it's all about uh like maintaining you know environmental balance and yeah. like yeah. native pollinators and stuff you could be you an urban beekeeper on if you rooftop. don't want to do water you could definitely do bees. I'd let you do bees. Oh, bees would be very good. And I think I could, yeah, then maybe it's, you know, maybe my role is like a, a farmer or groundskeeper of the land and my bees can attack them. That no great. one ever expects bees. Bees. Bees? A box of bees. I like to know that you know every bee's name. That's something that's char- <laughs> that would charm me. Galadriel, go. <laughs> yeah, just one bee. Like, <laughs> Amanda, do you have popcorn? I do. I have cheddar, caramel, and regular, and a bowl with a divider, so you have three little pockets. Oh my gosh, you and the dividers! I All right, love let me it. let me get it. One second, one second. Hey, it's Amanda. In this time of changing seasons and fluctuating temperatures, I'm appreciating more than ever the combination of luck and planning that is being perfectly dressed for your day. I'm talking really well-constructed layers, perfect footwear choices, exactly the right coat and pants that still feel comfortable somehow, even at the end of a long day. Welcome to the mid-roll. That scarf in your bag doubles as a blanket. To kick things off, thank you to everybody who has joined our Patreon. Holy Donut Boy, Evan Monez, Stacy, Landon, Samantha, Clell, Mel, Ashley, Evelina, Hector, Donna, Mr. Ball, Professor Mac Live, Kira, and Chad. You're just in time because we're doing something really special for the start of Campaign 2 to immortalize everybody who's decided to support art they love with their human dollars. We are going to read the name of every single Join the Party patron in the credits of Episode 1 of Campaign 2. That means anybody who's an active patron on March 31st, 2020, both our current crew who have been with us and anyone who joins in the next couple of weeks will get their name immortalized in the credits of the first episode of Campaign 2. I'm going to read every single name. It's going to take probably about six minutes, and I'm extremely excited. Join by March 31st at patreon.com slash join the party pot for access to our patron-only Discord, bonus materials for both campaigns, even early access to episodes. All that and more at patreon.com slash join the party pod. We are sponsored this week by Hero Forge. Hero Forge offers fully customizable tabletop miniatures with dozens of fantasy races and thousands of parts to choose from. We love ours, and we know that you're going to love yours, too. Make them a part of your home campaign. Visit HeroForge.com to start designing your custom miniature today. And check back often, since new stuff is added every week. That's HeroForge.com. Now it's time to welcome a great new sponsor to join the party, GC2B. This is the original chest binder designed by trans people for the community. GC2B is a gender and identity-affirming apparel company started in 2014 by Marley Washington, a trans man of color, whose goal was to create something safe, accessible, and comfortable for people of all shapes, sizes, and colors. Their binder is available in several styles and lengths, five shades of nude, as well as seven other colors, so there truly is something for everyone. 
They even have two shipping warehouses to try to serve the entire globe, one in the U.S. and one in the U.K., which you can access directly at gc2b.io. From their sizing support to donating binders to people in need every year, this is truly a company that deserves your support. You can even get 10% off your order on gc2b.co with the code JOINTHEPARTY at checkout. That's gc2b.co and the code JOINTHEPARTY. We'll see you again next week with our third pregame episode. There's one more pregame after that, and then on April 7th, Campaign 2 begins. But for now, let's get back to the world building. Don't worry, I'm back. Here's the popcorn. Oh, it's steaming hot. Yay! Oh, no, I ate all of it. Oh, no, the oh, carbo's way too no. hot for my mouth! <laughs> oh, I can't speak! Good thing I got my extra mouth from my car, and now we can continue. Yay! <laughs> all right, let's do our last round, because I need more. I need more in my life. Okay. Um, nom, 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 nom. So this one I wrote kind of before we, we came up with the world idea, and I'm not entirely sure it's going to work in, like, the relationship that we established between our characters, but I really liked this idea, and I, I again, this harkens back to my love of the X-Men, but, like, someone whose powers, you know, like, overtake them, and so they don't, like... Basically, so my idea is the character themselves is not the one with powers, but rather like one of their loved ones got their powers, but then the powers meant they were confined to a thing, in this case, a computer or a Mm. smartphone, Mm. instead of like this character being the one that has the traditional powers in a sense. They gain their powers from utilizing their loved one's ability to control computers and, you know, electric stuff and whatnot. Kind of like... Joaquin Phoenix's her meets Full Metal Alchemist hmm. in a lot of ways, or like a staff, yeah. I, like channeling power yeah. through a staff. I do think this still fits mm-hmm. because this could be like again my hero academia for like just because there is a tradition of people who get powers, mm-hmm. you could also not have powers, yes. and now your parents made you a thing to cover it up. Yes, which could be tight really as fuck. interesting. Right, yeah. I really like that. Um, so the class and the subclass that I picked for this one is warlock, but it's ghost in the machine patron. Oh, yeah. Cool. Where's the Ghost of the Machine from? It's Unearthed Arcana, the modern magic section. It's oh, the same fuck. place as the city domain. God damn. And technomancy. That's very cool. God. And that would be probably like damage dealer because Warlock is usually like long distance damage rather than getting into the fray damage. Yeah. Damn, I got to look this thing up. I remember I spent so much time staring at the modern magic stuff. Mm-hmm. The modern magic is also interesting and re- there's an expanded spell list mm-hmm. of hacking and on off is a really cool one where you and can just like turn relay is fun too. Where on off like, is wild. I can call anyone as long as they're on the same plane as, of existence as me. That's extremely as cool. As long as I like know them, you know, I like that. Let's see. It's like That's cool scrying. <laughs> this is really interesting the way that they talk about modern magic because it's like about information mm-hmm. and the way that like the internet is a hub of information. Right. So you have like information surge, which like tells you about stuff. Wire walk is also cool because yes. you can, that's where you can travel short distances through wires. Mm-hmm. So that would be wild. That would be very So cool. that's another like type of technomancy. Mm-hmm. Also again, very different warlock than Johnny was because your patron isn't a god. It's no. a thing that you need to care for. Oh, oh I... I need you to, you're going to have to roll to drop your phone. I, uh, <laughs> Hell fucking yeah. So the, the way that I was picturing it. I get a pop socket. All advantages. <laughs> the way that I was picturing it is I really want the patron and the character to have like a relationship. Yeah. In the sense that like, I don't know, maybe they started dating in college or something and the character didn't know that their partner had 
powers until yeah. their powers like overtook them and now they're stuck in this iPhone or whatever. Oh, man. I love this. Yeah. Can it be like an iPhone 3? Eventually, they have to transfer over into a uh, an iWatch. <laughs> Apple Watch. I love this one, Julia. Yeah. But I really like this idea of being like a, the custodian of the source of your power mm-hmm. and of having a relationship, which feels like it's a four-person party, yeah. you know? I, I do like it. I like the idea of it being a romantic relationship. I can be convinced otherwise, but that was my instinct going into yeah, it. Yeah, I like that. Because, you know, do you stay with your loved one when they're only an iPhone now? Yeah. It's really interesting that the warlock invocation is just like the things you can do. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I can read everything. It's because my iPhone can translate everything. Mm-hmm. And that's very cool. Yeah. Hmm. That's, a, that's an interesting idea. Reception everywhere. The mm-hmm. translations are very poor, though. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just Google Translate. <laughs> that's very funny. Um, so my last one is more of a straightforward tank. Not super creative, but sort of two different paths I can go down here again. There's like sort of the, the Wolverine uh, way, which is the – it's a monk and it's the way of the Kenzai. Um, and that's when you basically like have – complete mastery over a weapon, but I was thinking we could reskin it to be like something like Wolverine where your weapons are internal or whatever it is. For sure. And then the other side of it is, it is also a monk, but it's the way of the astral self. And I, I wrote it like the astral Hulk. It's yeah. like, I like that you sort of like gain pieces of yourself over time. So it's like, oh, I have a like an astral left arm that's really strong. <laughs> and then eventually you sort of like transform into something astral or you can make it like Johnny Storm or um, The Thing where it's like pieces of you are transforming over time. And it's like my left arm is not like diamond skin or my – and then it like it grows over time. Ooh. I like that. I think that the imagery of the astral self is interesting, but turning that into any power is just fucking cool. That like you just have one really jacked arm. <laughs> That's uh, – oh, I just love that idea because we haven't talked about this and we'll get into this a little bit when we talk about race. Is like what do you look like – when you get your power. Lots of people look the same, but you could turn into the thing. My farmer can always have just one bee around in the same room. <laughs> you keep your bee in a pocket. <laughs> oh, no. I want a little bee in a pocket. Little bee in pockets. My final one was kind of the first one I came up with, a lot more straightforward. Um, this would be just like a really well-rounded fighter, and this would be like a true, like, super or like caretaker, like very well-rounded. You have proficiency with a lot of different tools. I didn't find a subclass that I really loved, but I thought that I would ask everyone if you have a particular one that you like. Um, But this would be um, more like, yeah, like ambient awareness of problems. Like you can assess a physical problem and, you know, fix it really quickly. But you can obviously also like, I like the idea of being kind of a like support or like a range fighter where I could like, you know, cut down one of the ropes holding that like tent up and like collapse it on the foe some kind of like environmental or structural based proficiency and damage yeah you i mean the, honestly like fighter is very diverse for a reason because you can choose things that you're good at like you have battle maneuvers if you want to be a battle master which is just the regular ones there's a sharpshooter in ua that you could choose to be if you wanted to be ranged like you can totally specialize in ranged stuff be a cowboy be a cowboy 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 it's true i mean listen green arrow exists <laughs> and so does uh hawkeye yeah and there are better versions of them than the ones that are on our television and movie screens mm-hmm. so like a ranged person who's very cool at stuff that would be more of like the damage dealer but i think that like if you wanted to target like i have acs for everything on my dm screen yeah so like if you wanted to target stuff and then have that damage that you could just like say like that's my battle style and i will make sure to prepare that 
The other thing, and I know we were looking at this before, but like the Rune Keeper fighter, which yeah. is like you you put like buffs literally on yourself. Tattoos. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. like sh- uh, this like Shulk in uh, Super Smash Bros. Or you can like engrave your tools with different kinds of runes, and I th- I think that would probably be the subclass that makes the most sense to really like imbue your tools with like special powers and to have a set of tools that you you know, and I'm using that as in like like the small like the small T tools like use hand tools as my weapons. Like always have my kit with like my multi tool and my you know, hammer and yeah. my screwdriver with me, which you can like stab into someone if you really wanted to. But just thinking of like, yeah, those kinds of creative attacks and using the kind of rune keeper to channel like particular proficiency with those things. The other thing about the rune keeper is that it's supposed to be like giant language, but similar to the way that it, Julia was like, it could just be Irish. It could just be Gaelic, yeah. <laughs> which is very funny to me. Yeah. Or stones. And maybe it is the kind of bricklayer flavor of that. Yeah. Um, but it would be, it would be fun for me. And I know it sounds the least baked of all of mine, but this was kind of my original idea of you're around to like take care of everybody's issues and then you don't necessarily want to turn those into violence but preventative violence means that you prevent problems like that is a very driving force I think for this person I think that the fighter also gives you stuff and they're just the class itself to buff your damage because it is a damage dealer yeah but we can also talk about your feats so let's talk about race the majority of you are probably going to be humans and I think if you want to be a human you should be a variant human so the difference between a human and a variant human when you're making your character is that the the human traditionally just has plus one to all six of the stats but if you want to be a variant human you get plus one to two stats and you get a feat and a feat is just like i'm good at this one thing and i get a buff to my character very specifically if you remember from the last campaign this was mike's monk i just like gave him the shit talking feat (laughs) and like that's the thing that he's good at so you could totally have like a sharpshooter feat you could have like i don't know any sort of damage dealing and we can really look through that in the player in the player handbook and beyond the other thing about race is and this is related to the conversation we were having about the astral monk is that like if your power changed you into looking like something else let's reskin a different race mm-hmm. like that would make you into like a hat we could you give you half orc stats brandon and then go from there or like if you are someone maybe if we make this more watery we don't have to but if you wanted to you have gills and like you're a merfolk and we reskin that so it's like you are a monstrous version of humanity and then you deal with that visually if that's something you want to entertain in your character mm. yeah so i'm very excited about that both from the feats perspective and like looking different and how your powers affect how you look mm. Cool. You guys have cool ideas. I'm so excited. Now I want to talk about the podcast itself. This is still Join the Party. Hello. Welcome. Hi. Hello. Hey, hi, hello. Welcome to the podcast. It is important to us that we stay bi-weekly slash fortnightly. Uh, What up, Brits? So we are going to be (laughs) releasing episodes every other week. And then we also love the after party and we want to do it. But in the previous campaign, what we would do is play D&D for like a couple of hours and then, you know, take a break to use the bathroom and get water and then come back and record the after party. And it ended up feeling not like an exciting thing that we wanted to like come to the table, talk about what's happening, like check in with all of you. But it felt like, oh, no, I have to do this before I go home. And we didn't want to like bring that energy to you all. And we know that you all don't want us to uh, feel as if this is, you know, a slog and not like a delightful thing. So for that reason, we are going to record after parties every two episodes. So it's like, you know, episode, two weeks, episode, and then the week after that, after party. So the so off it'll week. Be, exactly. Gotcha. In the off week, every 
other episode. So roughly once a month after parties and uh, two to three times a month episodes. The other thing that I'm truly excited about and that we learn from doing the after party at the end of the world and the after party after the end of the world is like we want your questions. Like we want everyone to be caught up and then listen to the after party. We record these game episodes a while in the future and like we want to come back to them and think about the things Mm -hmm. that we now noticed and we want you to notice it too the after party episodes are also going to be like feel like full episodes it's not just a bonus that we're attaching to regular campaign episodes so it'll be yeah like more than 30 minutes long because we want to make sure that again we're not just kind of like on our own doing a coda and like me asking you know Eric and my fellow players questions about how the episode went but we want to be sure that we record them after you've had a chance to listen to the episode and we can talk not just about your episode reactions and questions and our kind of like behind the scenes process but also like what's happening in D&D like we never got to talk on the show about all of these interesting Xanathars and UA and like all these other things that are coming out in the D&D world or like RPGs that we're really enjoying. So we want to make sure that we save some time and we can be kind of more contemporaneous than after parties have been in the past. So if there's stuff that you would really love to see us talk about as like a segment or on a recurring basis, we're open to hearing your thoughts. Um, But we definitely want to make sure these after parties are like part, you know, D&D chat show and part after party as you know and love. Also, it helps that we just chose, like, 75% Unearthed Arcana, which is totally going to change. And it seems like D&D is going to release a new book any day now. Mm -hmm. So who knows if that's going to affect our characters and as we, like, rework them to fit the definitive versions that are going to be in new books. Also, we have three players again. Yay! Yay! That's our biggest change. I don't know if you noticed, but Julia is here. Yay! I'm excited. I'm excited. I want to make character, Eric. I have to do research into, like, hockey (laughs) and, like, waterways and, like, how cities grow. I am excited. I don't know if we're going to do this as another pregame episode, but, like, I would love to try to build the city out with Mm -hmm. all of you. Like, maybe we can play a quiet year or, like, use parts of a quiet year to fill out the map a little bit. But, like, I love cities that have very defined neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Like, some parts of New York City does this. I know Pittsburgh does this a lot. Portland does a lot like this, too. Very different. Make sure every place in the city is different uh, and definably so, both through architecture and, like, vibe and what they have. And I'm very excited about all that. Yeah. Can we have the gulch? Mm. Yeah, we'll put in the gulch, the place where the where the highway used to be, and now it's high-speed trains. Ooh. It's the reverse gulch. <laughs> Love it. Fish market. I want a fish market. It's uh, got to be a fish we market. Can, if there's water, we'll do it. I need a, like, I'm going to make the rough map, and I think we'll fill it in. Okay. But uh, I would love to play that in the coming weeks. I can't wait to find out what the, like, well-known food is. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's not pizza and bagels. What is it? I don't That's great. It's I mean, pizza bagels. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. It's poutine ice cream sundae. Oh. No. There's going to be a lot of Canadian influence up there. Yeah. yeah. It, absolutely. Oh, I'm so excited. Elk burgers. Maybe. Like, it's a Juicy Lucy, but mm-hmm. it's with elk. Ugh, That'd be yummy. cool. Don't like that word. It's uh the tr- uh, no I know I just don't like it no I don't like the name what are what are the Tim Hortons uh, Munchkins called like Tim Timbly Tomblies Tim oh, okay. Timbly Tomblies oh, Timbly oh, that's what they're called now yep, they're yep called that's Timbly what it Tomblies. is yep nailed okay it. well anyway Shield I think it. a bunch of those in a waffle cone could be cool. <laughs> That's, oh, that's, just, shit. that's just where I'm coming from right now. <laughs> that, that's just where I'm living, guys. Uh, well, with visions of Timbley Tomley dancing <laughs> through my head. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We are so excited. And uh, we'll catch you next time. 
Bye. 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 You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. But you can, because we're still doing free games. <laughs> the party's still happening. Don't leave Someone yet. brought donuts. Someone brought Timbley Tomblies. Amanda, we're out of popcorn. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't worry. I brought Timbley Tomblies. Uh, I just got chocolate and cinnamon oh because I know that's God. one anybody likes. I like the jelly ones. I like the jellies. <laughs>